This is the PR Pod, the podcast that brings you expert tips for working in PR and finding your niche. With your host, Brooke Burns. This episode will be discussing something that I don't know much about at all, and that's managing a social media budget. I'm joined by Naomi Ross from City Design Social. Welcome. Hi, Brooke. I've talked about this on the podcast before, but as it's just me at Savannah PR, I don't manage social media on behalf of my clients. So I really know very little about the considerations that go into allocating a spend across social media and how you manage that. So if someone is managing the social media accounts for a business, why should they be spending money on boosting posts or, or putting ads out? Um, Facebook and Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, all of the major platforms are designed to make to make money. That, mm. That's that's why they're there. Um the way they do this is by selling advertising space. Um, the platforms are no longer free um, for, for, for brands, for venues, um, and it's really a pay-to-play uh, platform. So if you want your brand to appear in your target market's feed, then you need to pay. Facebook rewards personal content over branded posts. So for any for any brands, if you do want to appear um, in your target market's news feed, you need to pay and you need to advertise. And if you don't pay, then the reality is your visibility is just so low because you're competing, like you said, with friends and family posts, which that platform will prioritise. Correct. Is it pointless to have a social media account if you're not spending? No, it's one of those ones which if you've got content which is really resonating with with your followers, if it's something which people absolutely love and engage with really quickly and it's got organic reach, then yes, you can have a page that you don't have much spend behind, but the reality is that's happening less and less. Mm. And how are you going to make something go viral? How are you going to get people to know about your page to begin with? You, you can't just put a post in it and you're going to get hundreds of thousands of people to see yeah. it. Um, I so guess it depends on your goals, doesn't it? it? It does. Eventually you might get to the point where you don't need to um, spend as much to be seen by each post. If you've got a couple of thousand followers and um, your brand's doing really well, with that being said, you're still going to need to put a bit of money behind generally mm. to, to get it seen. And everyone wants to see a return in investment across any kind of advertising spend, whether it's social media or print or um, digital in another form. So how can you measure success when it comes to social media ads? So the main metrics that pop up in social media advertising um, are CTR, which is the click-through rate, um, clicks. And what, uh, what is CTR? How does, what is that? <laughs> so it is, it is how many times somebody sees an ad yep. and then clicks, clicks on it and, and forms an action. Okay. And so, um, how does that relate to an ad spend? You have a spend of money that, and then that relates to the click. I don't know how to describe that better. Uh, <laughs> obviously this is coming from someone who does not work in this field at all. Um, yes. How can you, how can you explain that? How, in terms of. So let's say I had a budget of, I don't know, $10 to put behind a post. Yep. How does that relate to CTR? How does that work with CTR? Sure. So when you create an ad, it needs to be linked to a specific goal. And from that goal, you then link it back to your return on investment. So if you want to send potential guests to your website, for example, then the success metric would be the click-through rate. If you've got an event that you're running and you're looking to build brand awareness around that event, then you'd be looking at reach or impressions. Right. So depending on what the aim of the ad is, it would depend on the metric um, and th- and that would depend how you mes- measure the success. Gotcha. So in addition to click-through rate um, and clicks, um, we've got uh, CPM uh, which is cost per impressions, or CPC, which is cost per cost per click, 
and then we've got reach and impressions. So there are there are just a number of different ways which you can um, measure the success, but that's going to mean nothing unless you've set up a goal to begin with and you've kind of worked out what it is that you're trying to achieve with the ad. Mm-hmm. From there, you link it back to one of those metrics which you can report on. So if let's say you do, you're putting $10 behind a particular post and one of your goals is to get clicks. So yes. it's the CTR yes. one. What does that $10 give you? It 100% depends on how the ad is set up, right. um, what your brand is, um, and what what it is that you're trying to achieve. In one instance, you know, spending spending $10 in this instance, um, maybe you're looking to promote function space. Um, you might then spend $10 and you might get one person that might convert one person and that person might spend $2,000 on a function. To me, I would say that ad is successful, even though you've only had one person actually uh, purchase anything or, or make an action from that ad. In another instance, you might have that same $10, but you might be promoting um, uh, brand awareness around a um, sunglasses sale, which is coming up. You might spend $10, but you might have 5,000 people that see that ad and, and kind of, but maybe none of them make an action in this instance, but they've, they're have they more aware of the ad. Maybe in two weeks' time, you then go and spend another $10 um, with a different goal, and maybe that's to convert, to move people and to actually click on a link, click on your website. You spend $10, you advertise to these same thousand people that have seen that ad, and maybe five of them go in and actually click and purchase, and each of those five people spend $200 on a separate pair of sunglasses. Yeah. So now you've spent $20, but it's mm. been a two-stage process. So I don't think it's as simple as looking at one individual ad, one individual ad spend. Um, you really need to look at it in a broader way and kind of look at each different stage and, and break down what it is you're trying to achieve. So then I guess the next logical question is, and let's approach it from the perspective of someone who has never done an ad spend before for a business. Let's say they've got their own candle making business or yes. someone's managing PR and social media and they've never had to do the, the social media side much before. Yes. How do you determine what is an appropriate spend? Because like you've just said, $10 could get you um, – one click which gets you a $2,000 booking in a function space or it could get you impressions. So obviously the goal comes into it, but when you're just starting out, how do you know whether you're putting $2 behind or $200 behind something? You need to think about what it is going to mean for you. So if you're selling if you're selling candles, just say, um, each candle might cost $50. Is it, is, if, if you spend $5,000 on, um, on an advertising campaign to promote your brand – that's a lot of candles you're going to need to need to sell. Mm-hmm. I would I would suggest that that's probably not the best way to go out and spend that large amount of money up front. Um, if, on the other hand, you're spending $5 here, $50 there, um, and kind of monitoring as you go, seeing what works, test, experiment, um, put, put $2 behind a, a boosted post, um, set up a likes campaign, maybe it's a dollar a day, 30 days, see how it goes. These are small amounts which, when you look at it, over a period of time and a number of purchases which you're hoping to achieve, that then becomes worth that investment. Whereas yeah. going and spending $5,000 when when the cost of a candle, uh, that's a whole lot of candles you've got to spend yes. to, to sell, yeah. to, to, to even break even, let alone make any money. And so for something, let's say, like a lights campaign, uh, what's what do you get from spending $1 a day 
let's say on a likes campaign versus $50? What does Instagram, for example, give you? Does that give you access to more people? Correct. More people, better placement, and also um, at a time when users are more likely historically to take an action. Got you. So they they prioritise ad spend like any print publication would. If Correct. you're spending $10,000 and you're probably going to be in a prime position in that magazine or newspaper. So if you're spending more money, you're likely to have a better positioning. Correct. And and therefore a better connection with your audience. Absolutely. Okay. This is starting to make sense now. Um, should you be looking at the overall money that you want to spend on marketing, let's say for six months or for a year and then working out, right, well, I want to spend X amount on advertising, this much on online, this much on print and this much on so Like how, how should you be factoring that into your broader? Yeah, holistically is, is is definitely my preference. And for us at the agency, we would always be recommending to look at it in a holistic approach. So don't look at anything just as Facebook or just on Instagram or just on your website or just on your email marketing list just on PR, look at it all together because that's we're so interconnected as a as a society. Um, each individual user or guest or patron or potential customer, um, all of these touch points don't make any difference to them. They they kind of don't see it as oh I'm being advertised to here in print. Oh I'm being advertised here on Facebook. It's just I'm seeing this brand here. I'm mm. seeing that brand there. So definitely looking at it all together. Looking at your overall. Spend what you can realistically afford is going to be a big one if you're just starting out. Um, and then also thinking, okay, well, how many sales do I need to make to make that money back? Yeah. Um, we'll go back to the candle making business. You know, it, it's it's not um, – I, I don't think it would be worth your while spending $5,000 on a campaign because even if you did get that many inquiries and it's just you, logistically, how will you fill out those orders? Yeah. So you start – you need to think, okay, well, if the ads are successful as well, which you want them to be, mm. what's what's that next stage? Yeah, and it's, I guess it sounds like what you've said previously is come back to testing the market and start 100%. small and then just seeing what engages with your um, audience. And I suppose that's another thing to think about when you're putting weight on how you spend an advertising campaign. If you're the type of business that sits, uh, that has a customer base that is very social media driven versus print publications, so I don't know, let's say it's a 20 to 25-year-old females are your target market, they're much more likely to be sitting online than they are in a print publication. So that should be a consideration of how much of your weight is given to how you split that budget up. Absolutely. And you can, um, whereas print publications are generally a set amount and generally a lot higher, you can start off small on social media, on Facebook, on Instagram. You can spend a dollar here, two dollars there, ten dollars here, ten dollars there. You don't need to go and outlay three hundred, four hundred, five hundred dollars at a time for one ad. Mm. If it isn't working, you can stop it, uh, use different creative, use different wording, um, possibly change up what the front page of your website looks like. You can do all of this quite easily and you can be quite reactive in that in that way. Um, whereas with your press ad you've got one chance essentially and then the money is spent yeah your clients are mostly hospitality venues obviously i guess it depends on your client how big they are um who their target audience is etc but what spend do you usually recommend for them per month in terms of a range yeah so all of as you um rightly said all of our clients are in hospitality um when we're taking on new clients we always recommend that they have at least an advertising spend of $250 a month mm-hmm. at a minimum. 
The reason why we say this amount is it allows us to create a likes campaign and have that kind of running in the background. It gives us a bit of leeway in having a few dollars behind most posts, or at least if we don't want to boost every post, we can kind of then take you know, a couple of dollars, five dollars from one post and maybe put ten dollars on a, on the second post. And it also allows us to have a couple of seasonal um, seasonal event pushes. So it might be things like functions or it might be um, to push a new menu or to push a seasonal, seasonal cocktail. Um, it kind of just gives us a bit of a buffer. Of course, for the bigger venues um, and for those with more money and more budget, we're always going to take it. Um, and we've got some some hospitality venues that might spend upwards of a thousand dollars, two thousand dollars. That also allows you to be far more creative and what one hundred percent what you can do. I mean, uh, but I guess back to the very basic level, it sounds like what you should be doing is putting a small budget behind nearly every post. If if you're if it's a business account, and you're managing the social media for so let's say one dollars or or something like that, and then working out what are the other core focuses each yes. month. You may have one, you may have five, and then splitting the rest of the budget kind of between those. Is that, is that how you yeah, approach it? Yeah, um, once you've looked at your core, or once you've mapped out, mapped out your content calendar and you've looked at what's coming up, um, you might notice that some some of the posts you want to post about, so it might be a behind-the-scenes, um, once a month you might be wanting to post a behind-the-scenes picture to kind of show that you're, um, you know, that you're a real and authentic and honest brand, for example. Um, maybe this is something which the clients ask for and, you know, it, it's a mandatory. Is that actually going to bring you any uh, – is it encouraging an action? Mm. Is it going to actually bring you any money? Is it going to make you any bookings? Is it going to – encourage a purchase probably not it's probably more around the brand building if if that post was going out in a month where I had really limited budget and I had something else which was really urgent or something which I needed to get an action from chances are I probably wouldn't even if I had a small amount of budget for that post I would probably take Take it it. steal it from that post and, and put it towards maybe running um running putting a bit more money behind pushing the actual event itself mm-hmm. if that's what I was trying to push or maybe it's a post or, or an additional ad um, as opposed to that post which is actually not going to bring me an action. Yeah. There's so much strategy involved in social media yes. and I think people can fall into the trap of being very reactive especially when you're managing a social media account on behalf of the business whether it's your own business or you are in PR and you're just doing a bit of social media management on the side for some of your clients, it really does come back to having a strategy in place, understanding what your goals are, uh, understanding who your target market are and what it is you want to achieve from a campaign. And when it comes to that target market, how um, how narrow and niche can you get when you're advertising, let's say, across Instagram and Facebook in terms of targeting the exact demo that you want? It is crazy. Um, in terms of identifying your target market, you've got complete control. Uh, you can get so, so granular now. Um, so from a marketer's point of view, this is amazing. From mm. a punter's point of view, uh, I guess that's where some people have varying views on how to feel about it, but I'm here as a marketer, so I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna run with how fantastic it is. Yeah. Um, so if I wanted to target a a female whiskey drinker between the ages of 20 to 25 that lives in a two to three suburb range of a small bar in my city. Yes. I can do that. Done. Age, demographic, life events like just married, just um, divorced, just separated, um, you know, salary brackets, interests, the list The list goes on. You and can target them. This information is pulled from Instagram, 
predominantly Facebook, is it? Is, is Facebook the biggest driver in terms of the intel that you then are you using the information from? Yes. So Instagram is owned by Facebook. So they're, for all intents and purposes, one and the same. The advertising that you see through Instagram is run through the back end of Facebook. Um, Facebook and Instagram uh, use the data that you enter um, that you enter into your profile. They also use the data from monitoring your actions on the feed. Mm-hmm. So I'm here, I'm scrolling through my um, through my desktop and I might pause ever so slightly over the picture of a really cute dog. Facebook will monitor that pause and they'll actually see that I've I've um, on average I've 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 now um, content that pops up that are dogs are oh, this person Naomi mm-hmm. likes dog content. What they then know about me is that I like dogs. I like um, this type of like maybe it's a humorous dog, maybe it's a little bit funny, and all of a sudden they they kind of start to grow this picture of of me and what I do like and what I don't like and and how I also interact with the feed. So. They've got that information. They've got the information that you input um, and then a whole lot of other information, which um, I'm not sure how they get it, but they know it. It's crazy. And if you are listening and you haven't watched The Social Dilemma on Netflix, it's intriguing, but it's incredibly scary about exactly what you've just talked about, the minute detail that um, these organisations have on you. But on the flip side, as a marketer, this is just gold to be able to target people um, in a far more specific manner than you can in a print magazine where any number of people are flicking through that magazine and may or may not relate with that particular content. Absolutely. I guess it's important to note that you do have complete control over who your ads appear to. What you don't have control over is if somebody comments on that ad. Um, so just say uh, you, Brooke, have seen an ad, um, you've seen an ad, you've then commented and posted looks great on this ad that will then appear in your feed so me as an advertiser I don't I I can't control the fact that you've commented on it I've encouraged it because I've advertised to you Mm -hmm. but maybe your followers aren't who I would actually like to see my content right Um, so I don't have control over that next level Um, so it's interesting to note uh, that your content can be seen by a wider yes network uh, which is good that's it's the aim of the game but um yeah, you don't have control over that next level. That makes sense. In terms of the advertising opportunities across, available across Facebook and Instagram, what what do you have at your disposal? Uh, there's quite a few different ways in which your ads can appear. So they appear um, on the desktop, either um, the desktop and mobile in the actual news feed themselves. Um, on your desktop, on the right-hand column, um, you'll see an advertising space. Um, and within these uh, within these areas, um, you've got photo ads, video ads, story ads, which appear um, mm-hmm. at the moment. It's something which Facebook is is really pushing. Um, carousel ads, um, which let you showcase up to ten different images or videos in a single ad, um, each with an individual link. So so this is great if you've got different products you want to highlight um, or tell a longer brand story. Uh, we can also advertise within messen- within Facebook Messenger. So this is something that's relatively new, probably about 18 months or so. Um, it's been out for about 18 months or so. And a lot of advertisers still, I guess, aren't really using this uh, to their advantage, but it can actually pop up and appear within, within, um, within Messenger. Um, and then there are also other types of ads, which I don't have that much personal experience in, um, things like playable ads, uh, gaming and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. 
Um, in addition to these, so these are all within the actual platforms themselves, um, you've got something else which is called the audience network. So that that just means that you can advertise on third-party sites that might be like online news, uh, newspapers, digital blogs, um, and your ads actually appear in the advertising space on those third-party sites. Right. I never knew that. That's interesting. Mm. Okay. So when it comes to the content that you are either – if you're either boosting posts or doing standalone ads, does one of those um, have a better engagement, i.e., boosting something that would is a natural fit to your feed versus an ad campaign behind a particular event that's happening or should that content be almost seamless anyway so you can't really tell look it it really does depend um, and vary depending on product and offering um, you know I, don't, I kind of don't want that to be every answer um, but it does generally speaking though Instagram is viewed as a discovery platform. So what that means is people will generally be on Instagram to look through pretty things. Um, uh, they're more people are more inclined to click on brands um, and to have a look through different products. Whereas Facebook, um, you're more inclined to go to the feed and scroll through the feed and maybe click on articles. And those articles might either take you to a Facebook page or a third party um, like news news site, for example. In terms of what platform performs better. Personally, I think some of the best results come from using the two together. Um, For example, you might see an ad for a clothing brand on Instagram. Um, You click on it, you take a look, perhaps you add a few items to an online cart, um, you know, you're at home, um, it's late at night. Um, You can set up your ads so that Facebook can recognize that uh, somebody has items sitting in their cart. So we can then send you an ad the next day on Facebook. Um, so you were on Instagram the night before. Now you're on Facebook. Um, you're at work. You're avoiding your emails. <laughs> and an ad on Facebook pops up reminding you that you've got unpurchased items waiting for you in your cart. At this point, you're on a desktop. You're on Facebook. It's a different day. It's a different platform. But now you're ready to actually finish your purchase um, because it's easier on a desktop. You've got time. You're procrastinating. Um, you're not on your phone. These are two different ads in different circumstances, but they've worked together to get you to make a purchase. Yeah. That sounds wise. It's very it, wise. It's just, <laughs> it really is. I mean, you know, and like I said before, it's because I don't do anything in the social media space and I've never had to really delve into this stuff, but it's quite incredible the control that you have over um, encouraging people to engage with your brand. It is so much, so much um, so that we we don't realize we're doing it. So I would definitely recommend reading up on articles um, around the differences between Facebook and Instagram, Mm -hmm. um, listening to podcasts such as this, um, because it sounds, um, I mean, it it, it sounds amazing when you hear it, but it actually makes so much sense once, once you understand it as well. Yeah, I would agree with that. Definitely. In terms of the content that you use, um, should you or can you use user-generated content as part of boosted posts or ad campaigns? So, you know, um, in a in your normal feed cycle, you might repost something that one of your followers has posted from your bar, them and a girlfriend having a drink in a bar, and you just repost that. Can you use that content then for ads or boosted posts? Or um, User-generated content is rarely used in ad content. And I guess there are a number of reasons for this, and it's I would say the primary one is around licensing. Um, it's generally okay to repost somebody's repost somebody's story, repost like re- regram somebody's um, 
tile on Facebook or Instagram. Um, and generally people are okay with it if they're, they're, they're their profile must be on public because you can see it as a brand you can see it and if you just credit them it kind of crosses a line going to the next step and using that content to sell or advertise or self-promote um i believe legally you can still you can still do it um but it is a little bit gray and and as a as a best practice um it's kind of not not really done uh it sounds exactly like if you were to engage a photographer to shoot all your products or your your new fashion range or your candles or your bar or something like that and if your agreement is for you to be able to use them on your website and social media and for editorial for media coverage that doesn't give you the um the license to use those in advertising campaigns you can't then just use that photo and put it up on a billboard or put in a magazine without getting approval for them so it sounds like you've got to approach it in the same way this is um it's content that you cannot make money off without having some kind of agreement in place. Yeah, commercial agreement. Yeah. Okay, so when it comes to an advertising campaign across social media, is there a time frame that it should run for in order for you to have enough data to determine whether it's successful or not? Generally, uh, generally within the first seven day period, um, you will you will have a good idea as to whether the data is going to be successful, whether the ads are going to be successful. Um, in terms of what Facebook is looking for, is within the first seven day period, is looking for fifty optimization events or conversions. So that's what Facebook sees as being successful. Correct. So then really it comes down to what your personal goals are for that ad, whether it's conversions or impressions or whatever it may be, as to how long that campaign could run for. If it's a likes campaign, for example, that can run for months and years, you know, if it's just a a general likes campaign to get people to like a particular page. Absolutely. So in the end, it all comes down to your goals. Mm. Um, If you want to get 100 people downloading a function package in a month, you might not achieve that within Facebook's seven days learning phase. Um, But as long as it's within your timeframe that you've agreed or or your client is waiting on, you could consider that ad to be successful. If, um, just to clarify, to make sure I understand. So in that learning phase, let's say you haven't, or Facebook recognizes that you haven't achieved what they deem is successful. Yes. you can continue it or do Facebook say, no, you've got to make some changes because this is not. They recommend that you make changes. Right. Okay. Sometimes so if prompted. it's not, yeah. Sometimes if it's not doing well at all, I mean, yeah, you would, you would generally stop it, restart it, change the creative, ch- change the targeting mm. um, and reassess. Uh, I imagine doing A and B campaigns, especially when you're starting to work with the brand and, and putting an ad spend behind is helpful. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. And can you give us some, um, clarity for those who don't know about a and b campaigns and, and sure so it's, it's very similar um it's very similar to running two different campaigns through mailchimp if anyone's done that before um essentially what you're doing is you're you're setting up um two ads which are very very similar except for one difference that way you can you've kind of got a control for those that remember it from science <laughs> back in the day um you've got a control so you can see uh, what is different between the two ads and work out why um, one ad is performing better than the other. So it could be a different photo. It could be the copy. The photo is exactly the same, yep. but the copy is different. It could be that. Um... The main differences would be a different uh, different photo or image or content, mm-hmm. uh, different caption, um, so different text, um, or different targeting. So, so in one instance, you might be targeting men that are over 50. In one, you might be targeting gotcha. women that are over 50. I and, mean, and you if you have those, would, but... if you change all of those three things then it's very hard for you to determine why 
the B campaign was more successful than the A Correct. campaign, which is why it's so important just to change one it, thing. The following week, you can do another campaign, which then, you know, yes. is A and B between the other two. Elements yes, if you wanted, if you needed down. to run two campaigns at the same time, I would recommend you run two cam- two different campaigns. Mm-hmm. The A and B campaign is really to work out what it is which is going to work well for your audience. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of putting an ad spend behind something with a short-term focus, how far out should you be doing that? So let's say you had um, a sale coming up on something or you had an event coming up. Is there a time period that is best to kind of start engaging with people? Yeah, so in, in these instances, I would say generally four weeks out is a sweet spot. Um, much longer and people are hesitant to make a decision, shorter and you run the risk of not having enough time to run the ads and test the ads and get the message out there. Mm. I guess it's also about uh, what you want to achieve. So it's all good and well saying um, we have got this offer that's available for all of next month, but if your ad doesn't allow you to start booking for that restaurant, let's say it's a Valentine's Day offer, if that capability is not set up on your website yet, then you're losing that immediate conversion of people saying, oh my God, that looks great. I'm going to book in next month. 100%. What you're aiming to do with every ad is to achieve achieve something. Um, that could be a click. So I might be clicking and seeing a website. I might be downloading a brochure. I might be clicking attending on, a, on an event. Um, if you've got something which is coming up, like you mentioned, um, a sale, but it's not going to be available straight away, but you still want to advertise how are you going to how are you going to capture people? You just kind of don't want to be like, hey, we've got this coming up next month. It's like, well, so, so what what, mm. what do you want me to do about it? Um, something which you which you can do is create a Facebook event for that sale. So p- potentially the month before, you've got a series of ads series of ads running directing people to attend this flash sale that's going to be online. On the morning of the flash sale, you can then go to your Facebook event and be like, hey, flash sale now open. Our stuff is available for you to purchase. Yeah. Um, it's it's just making sure that you're directing the patron or the guest or the potential customer to do something or to take an action um, and to be trying to get as much data as possible from them. Mm. If, if, if you've made them click and – well, not made them, but if you've, if you've encouraged them to click – on an event for your sale, um, they're then going to receive those Facebook notifications that the event's coming up. Um, you then have captured their details that they're interested. You can you can um, market to them again. You can serve up more advertising to them, and you haven't just kind of paid to have your brand in front of them, but then they you've kind of just lost them. Is there any data around whether posts perform better being a boosted post versus a I guess an ad campaign? Is it the best way to? Yeah. Um, For all intents and purposes, a boosted post is an ad. Um, The difference being Facebook ads offer more ad placements, objectives and targeting. Where a boosted post may initially optimize for page likes, comments and shares or overall brand awareness, Facebook ads can optimize for app installs, website conversions, video views, shop orders and more. So uh, essentially they're the same. It's just that you've got more control um, with, with advertising. Got you. And in terms of content, does photography or videography perform better when there's a spend behind it? Uh, when there's a spend behind it, yes. Um, so they perform better when there's a spend behind it versus when there isn't a spend behind it. <laughs> um, 
But with that being said, a great a great relevant photo delivered to the perfect audience will work better than a boring video targeting the wrong gotcha. audience and vice versa. What is important to note, though, is Facebook loves video, um, loves animation, loves animated GIFs, and will generally reward this type of content by delivering it more often and for a cheaper price right. than photography. Okay. I imagine being adaptable is really important when it comes to managing a budget. And you've touched on this in terms of the, the learnings and the prompts that Facebook give you. You may have had approval to spend a particular percentage on a campaign, but priorities change and you have to shift to whether it's because it's not performing particularly well or your client says this is now more of a priority. What are the other realities of managing a social media spend? Clients, priorities changing, urgent events or products popping up um, that need to be sold. Facebook errors are a really good one. Um, An ad not running for some reason and you need to investigate why. Maybe an event or product isn't selling and you need to reassess your entire creative um, and or your strategic approach. It's kind of any of those things can happen and pop up at any time. And as you'd so rightly mentioned, uh, being adaptable um, and almost being proactive as well. So kind of looking looking at these things and, and almost looking to where the problems may arise before they arise. Mm. Um, that's generally going to come down to experience though after yeah. you've after you've tested it um, you've worked you've you've run a couple of ads you've seen how they run um, what your audience is engaging with um, and it yeah. comes back to strategy doesn't it whether that's in the the formative stages of putting together a, a campaign strategy for what you want that social media campaign or that account to look like and to um, and how you want to present and what goals there are all the way down to your social media. And if you're not keeping on top of those things and if you're just doing it for a bit of fun or you're just doing it reactively, it's very hard to – it's very hard to get the results you perhaps would have wanted. Correct. And in terms of where you can manage all these ads from, they all come from Facebook. Is that right? Facebook yes. houses the Yes, the Facebook our business manager. Facebook business manager, right? And it's very easy to do. Like you said, it's kind of very straightforward. Yes, and something which Facebook do really, really well are their tutorials. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've got a whole section called Facebook Blueprint. Um, you literally you Google Facebook Blueprint, mm-hmm. um, you log in with your Facebook account, and there's a whole series of tutorials, sessions, videos you can watch. Um, they want us to be good advertisers. They want you as a as a brand, you as a you as a marketer, you as a PR um, a consultant. They want you guys to be good at advertising because if you're good at advertising, you're going to spend more money on their platform, which is their goal. Mm. So they make it very very easy for you. I hope those listening have taken as much from this episode as I have. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Brooke. And if you are new to managing social media responsibilities alongside your PR tasks, it might be worth having a listen to the other social media episodes up on the podcast to give yourself a quick refresh. Thanks for listening to the PR Pod. For more expert tips on working in PR, head to www.theprpod.com.